Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief. PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, news editor at PR Week UK, and today I'm joined by our UK editor John Harrington and our reporter Eliza Radu. This week it's Evie Barrett's turn to enjoy the sunshine. She'll be back on the podcast after a summer holiday. So let's start with one of our biggest news stories today from Omnicom. John, you wrote the story on this. Can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, so there's interesting news on Wednesday. There's been a new joint division launched by, as you say, Omnicom agencies, Portland and Ketchum, focused on the three big elections coming up next year in the UK, the US and also the European Parliament. So basically, the agencies will be working together across various offices in different countries to provide services like public affairs, political campaigning, which is really Portland's heritage, and then data analytics, consumer insights, which Ketchum specialises in. So I spoke to some of the main people involved. Portland's chief executive, Victoria Dean, told me that a lot of clients just aren't really prepped for the huge shakeup that we may well be getting next year following these triple elections. So for me, it points to an obvious opportunity for the sector. We've had relative political stability, certainly in the UK and the US this year. I say relative. <laughs> um, but next year is a real unknown and clients, companies of all types will no doubt need the advice and support they get. So it's a very interesting move, I think. Incidentally, we're continuing to get lots of stories about consultancies hiring folk with Labour backgrounds, unsurprisingly, given Labour's big lead in the polls. I asked Victoria Dean and Joanne Robertson at Ketchum Mm -hmm. about whether they plan to make particular hires with this in mind. There was actually some scepticism about the idea of sort of mass hiring of people from Labour backgrounds in this way. Not to say, and they made the point that many of the people who are appointed aren't talented and won't be good at what they do, but just this sense of, you know, this is a normal thing to happen in a cycle. And just because someone, as someone else put it to me, just because someone used to do the filing for Keir Starmer doesn't mean they're going to be worthy of <laughs> a good addition to the workforce. I'm exaggerating, obviously. Victoria Dean 
interestingly exalted the virtues of, of civil servants as good hires, saying they're the ones that basically get stuff done, I'm paraphrasing. And interestingly, Victoria is herself a former civil servant. Anyway, so it's an interesting move. I think it really shows as well a willingness of, of sister agencies to work together when there's a, a good reason to do so. And I think it also shows that Portland and Ketchum have been working closer together. And I, from speaking to Joanne and, and Victoria, I really got the sense that they've been sort of getting their heads together and kind of looking at ways they can work together more closely. They're in the same building now which wasn't the case until fairly recently, I think, where Portland were over the Thames in the Strand and now they're both bankside. So anyway, interesting story. And incidentally, on Omnicom, I think I should probably mention that the company reported its second quarter numbers this week where PR revenue was flat in Q2. I think this reflects a lot of what we've been hearing about the challenges at the moment, although it should be said that the second quarter this year was up against a particularly strong second quarter last year where there was the bounce back from COVID. So just a bit of context there. So so anyway, back to the kind of main story. Do you have any any sort of particular views on this new division that's been created? Well, I think, as you say, we've sort of seen a lot of news recently of hires throughout the sector. So we've had not just Labour. So we've had like instinctive partners. They appointed former Labour shadow minister Tom Harris, but then Cavendish Consultancy has hired Michael Gose, former special advisor, uh, Charlie Rowley as a senior strategic advisor. And then also this week, we've had GB News presenter, but also former shadow justice minister Gloria Di Piero is to join Woburn Partners as a director. So there's a lot of movement going off across the whole political divide of agencies picking up all these political experts. So yeah, I think it's nice to see as well that two agencies are collaborating. I think we might see more of that. Yeah, will it will it make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, any sort of holding company is going to be keen, you would have thought, to sort of look at ways to maximise what, what they've got. Absolutely. And when you've got, you can find ways where the sort of specialisms of one really complement the other. And I think arguably Ketchum and Portland are sort of in that in that situation really so yeah it's an interesting move and I agree I think we probably will see more of that as time goes on yeah and obviously with the challenges to do with recruitment going on in the sector it might become more prominent yes I expect we'll see a lot of people from Tory backgrounds kind of cropping up in the comms and public affairs industry as well we've started to see that we started to see some hires and also earlier this year there were a few interesting new agency launches from people who worked in government in sort of comms roles and digital roles and things like that so there's going to be a big shake up mm-hmm. um, and I think probably quite frankly quite a lot of Tory MPs probably see the writings on the wall for their their roles as MPs and you know we've got the three by-elections coming up soon that will probably not be particularly good news for, for the Tories I would have thought but I won't go into that too much detail but yeah I think it's going to be quite a big shake up over the next coming periods year yeah. or so I would have thought. Yeah definitely one to watch. Okay, so let's move on to undoubtedly the biggest announcement this week, if not this summer, the launch of the Barbie movie. We are recording the podcast on a Wednesday and the film, which stars actors Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken, comes out in cinemas on Friday. Now, to let you into a little secret, Eliza and I were very kindly invited to a private screening this week. But don't worry, we are not going to give away any spoilers for all you super fans out there. But we will be discussing the plethora, of which there has been, of Barbie campaigns. So let's start with you, Eliza. What's been your favourite Barbie campaign and why? I think my favourite Barbie campaign is the pink Doctor Who TARDIS that appeared outside Tower Bridge. I just wasn't expecting Barbie to collaborate with Doctor (laughs) Who. It was very 
confusing at first, but I really liked it. Another campaign that I liked was the Barbican Station, which is normally Barbican. Barbican. The Barbican Station, yeah. TFL haven't confirmed that this is the actual name change, but I still thought it's really funny. Considering- I just, I, I'm really disappointed they didn't make it the Barbican Station. <laughs> I feel that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> Mr. Trick right there. Mr. Trick. But maybe they can't because they can't actually change the name of the station. But... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I digress. I think, I think TFL have had to say two people. We're not changing the we're name. We're not changing Calm the down. name of the bar- of Barbican, yeah. <laughs> Other brands like Proper Snacks have also partnered up with Barbie this month and they've opened up a bright pink corner shop because yeah. they're a popcorn brand. Oh, nice. And it's got limited edition Barbie-themed sweet popcorn and that's located in Shoreditch High Street. There are also numerous pink billboards which contain the film's release dates and that's appeared worldwide there's a barbie dream house in malibu unfortunately we're not in malibu so i can't see that but there's loads of licensed tie-ins from shoes to bags to a barbie xbox controller wow i think i saw as well was it a barbie inspired hairbrush as well like there's just been so many like everyone has jumped on the bandwagon of this yeah i've never seen anything like it I mean, my view, my take on it is it's, it feels like someone, and I was saying this in the office, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah, you were. It feels like someone has kind of looked at like the greatest hits of earned media PR campaigns of the last five or 10 years and basically picked out the ones that sort of work quite well. Yes. And just gone, let's do all of this. <laughs> like they're doing and, a tick list. And not in a, yeah, and not in a bad way. You know, like the change in the name of the Barbican, it reminds me of one of the big football championships. There's a campaign where they renamed Southgate Station. I probably don't need to finish this you could probably work out where that was going and you know the sort of have something big and bold by the Thames is something that we're very used to I'm just waiting for Barbie and Ken to be floated down the Thames presumably that's coming or the Thames turning pink maybe Friday still got time yeah there is still time (laughs) by the time you you listen to this the Thames might be pink so do check I think it's really interesting how it hasn't just been a case of straightforward kind of paid media it feels like there's been quite a lot of a focus on earned media as well and as I say, quite a lot of the sort of classic PR stunts have, have been employed, like the one with the TARDIS next to the Thames and the one with changing the TFL badge at Barbican Station. This idea of sort of generating conversation seems to be a really important part of it. And also there has been like a lot of appearances and interviews with the stars over recent weeks. It feels like it's everywhere. So I think it's a really good example of multimedia integrated campaign, really, that has obviously had lots of paid elements but there's been an eye on the kind of earned media element as well sort of all the way through it just feels like it's been kind of relentless and I think because you've got two huge brands involved in this you've got Mattel and you've Mm. also got Warner Brothers it's almost like the budget is linked to both really yeah that you've got both having equal stake in this and it's just made it such a sort of monster monster tie-in and I think you know the likes of Transformers and so on will probably be looking at this and seeing how they can kind of emulate emulate this yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's got the appeal hasn't it with it being a toy that quite well a lot of boys and girls will have played with over the years so yeah it's marketed for children but also you've got the nostalgia element which I think is quite important Mm -hmm. because a lot of millennials as well would have grown up playing with Barbies and I think it's just a household name right now. But do you feel the campaigns have been marketed at children, though? Would you say they have? On the film as well? Because what's the rating on the film? It's a 12A. Okay. So 12-year-olds and under can watch it with the company of an adult. But I think, without spoiling anything, I think Barbie or Mattel are looking to 
bring in new audiences, but not shun their previous audiences okay. and tie in everything together. And I think with like Nick's professional makeup also working on a Barbie collection that brings in preteens and tweens as well. So it so gives everyone like a stake in this film. So no generation is really left out. What was your favorite Barbie campaign, John? I like the pink hairbrush <laughs> because the statement just said something about how it's empowering. And I couldn't for the life of me work out <laughs> how making a hairbrush pink is empowering. Feminism. I think I'd had enough of Barbie campaigns by that point. <laughs> Did you say feminism? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was more than anyway. No, basically, obviously, I have nothing to say, particularly on that that's, that's going to add anything. So, yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next up, we're going to discuss a new social media app. So let's discuss Threads, guys, that's launched. The app must have caused a real dilemma for social media managers across PR when Meta, which, as we all know, owns Facebook and Instagram, launched its rival to Twitter. So, yeah, what do we know so far about Threads? <laughs> Where are we at the moment? So Threads is still relatively new because it launched at the beginning of this month. But after 24 hours, there were over... 70 million people that had signed up for the platform and in comparison to when Twitter launched it took about four years to reach the same level. That is interesting and at the moment it's only launched right in the US and the UK we're still waiting for it to launch in the EU and I think that's because they're saying at Meta that it's upcoming regulatory uncertainty so we'll have to wait and see what that means. I think the initial hype however has died down a little bit mainly because people are moving back to their normal social media routines. From a Gen Z perspective, not a lot of my friends use Instagram as a social media, which means they're probably unlikely to use threads. However, I've noticed there's like an uptake in TikTok and some people have gone back to their original roots and gone back to Twitter as well. Also, Eliza, you've been interviewing social media managers, haven't you? So what have they been telling you about threads and how they're using it? So when I spoke to the social media manager at Virgin... She said Threads is a really good opportunity for brands. And because of the Instagram ecosystem, it means there's a seamless transition with followers, handles, your verification badge is automatically being transferred over to your new account. So it just makes things a lot easier. She said she'd be interested to see how Meta is able to maintain that and keep it different from Twitter. On another note, I spoke to the social media manager at Love Honey and they recently this week created a 
Threads account and they said they'd be using it in a similar manner to Twitter. So for like conversations and reactions. However, they wanted to avoid being too sales driven, mainly because they don't want audiences to become disinterested in it. And they don't, they know that audiences don't always love seeing brands pop up on new platforms. Interesting. So how, what other brands are using threads then? There are multiple brands that started using threads. For example, Spotify, United Airlines, Foot Locker, American Eagle, and even screening services like Netflix and Amazon Prime have also created an account. So it will be really interesting to see how traction works for the social media platform because it's still relatively new. So I'm not sure what people will be doing, but it will be nice to keep an eye out for that. It strikes me that there was always going to be a big kind of buzz around this where people were, there was so much publicity, obviously, the fact that it was meta and so much hype around the fact that the criticism for a long time about Elon Musk and how he's been handling Twitter, the fact that it's become a bit of a sewer and it's become a bit complicated and all these restrictions that are coming in and various difficulties people are having with that. So it felt like almost getting a lot of people to be interested in it was like the easiest bit. Mm. But I think now there's a real there's a real challenge for threads because the initial hype is going to start dying down. And I noticed that the number of users did drop quite significantly after yeah. the initial spike. It's supposed to be down by 23.6 million active users, apparently. Yeah, there you go. So I think they probably would have expected that. But now I think is where the hard work starts really for threads to get people to be really into it and to really kind of see that it's got something to offer. I mean, I'm starting to think that maybe people are getting a bit more conservative when it comes to their use of platforms. You know, there's been some big kind of hype launches or periods of hype for certain social media sites. We've obviously had Clubhouse Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago and a few others. And yet it feels like despite all the criticism, they're still staying there. You know, Instagram is still, still popular. Facebook is still a force. Obviously, Twitter does remain a force Mm. and everyone's still using it. So I think it's actually really, really hard, even if you're owned by one of the social media giants, to really become a must-use, must-see platform. So You've got to really be offering something unique, haven't you? Because as you say, you've got Facebook, it has its own style. It's very different from Twitter. Instagram, again, is very different. So it's sort of threads really needs to define what it is. Yeah. So people know how to use it. I think I think that's it. I think at the moment it's just like a, a kind of clean Twitter. It's sort of Yeah, how and that's how they pitched it, isn't it? Pitched. Really? Yeah. You know, which, you know, maybe that will work, but people are still using Twitter. I think there's a bit of fatigue when it comes to social media platforms, mainly because a lot of social media platforms replicate what other social media platforms are doing. Mm. So if you look at Instagram with their reels, that's quite similar to TikTok. And if you look at TikTok with their stories, that's quite similar to Snapchat. So I think everything is trying their best to keep up with everyone and adapt. But at the same time, there's so much overlap that a new platform could go one way or another. I could be completely wrong and threads could take over the world and I'd have to create an account. Or it might fizzle out like MySpace and no one will hear from it again. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. And then also I think as well, at the moment, it seems to be, they need to be careful that it's not just brands and businesses signing up, that actually the general public actually are signing up because otherwise, who are those influencers and brands pitching to? Yeah, well, the reason people like Twitter is the drama. Yes. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> we like seeing people criticising other people. We like to see gossip about famous people. Yeah. There's just, you know, it's massive entertainment, 
even for all its faults, Twitter. Yeah. And frankly, if something is sort of brands being nice and promoting their things in a very polite, clean way without any swearing or libel, mm. you know, it's not as much fun, is it? <laughs> so that's the problem, maybe. Very true. So we'll have to wait and see anyway. It's one to watch, definitely. And just before we go, John, you are working on an interesting news story relating to journalists that's going to be coming along soon. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yes. As journalists, we all know about the sheer volume of pitches and press releases that we get and how unmanageable it is. It's not a new problem, but it's getting worse given cutbacks in newsrooms in the last few years. I don't know about you, but it, it does feel like it's a bit of an avalanche. So there's a new tool that aims to help deal with this. It's a platform called Synapse that lets journalists filter the types of pitches that are right for them. And PRs can use this to send information to hopefully the relevant people in the right way and to track the progress of pitches that they've put out there. Um, Yeah, I mean, let's face it, in our industry, there are a lot of new tools released that are usually billed as the best thing ever that will solve all our problems. (laughs) So I'm naturally sceptical about anything that sort of says that. What's different here is that around 900 journalists have signed up to it. These are journalists from Reach PLC, so that's the publisher of The Mirror, Express and The Star, and also National World, which owns The Scotsman. It's also backed by the PR veteran Mark Bukowski. So we thought it was an interesting story. Obviously, we hear quite a lot that there's a real danger in this industry that we we can ignore the importance of media relations while everyone's getting hyped up by AI and ESG and lots of other things. So this could be an interesting tool to sort of help make the journalist PR relationship work better what do you both think I think it's quite interesting and definitely one to watch I quite like having that personal relationship with the people in the industry and I like when people are able to tailor their press releases for us I know that doesn't always happen but with a platform like this it's very interesting to see because it's kind of like collected everything into one space I think it's I think it's an interesting concept as someone obviously as a news editor like you, John, and the team, I am bombarded with press releases and story suggestions. So anything that would filter would be really helpful in the day-to-day job. But I think it is a worry because some of the stories that we get through might be a bit different, that, you know, it might not be an obvious pitch. And we do have this sometimes where we'll get a press release and we'll say, no, this bit isn't right for us, but actually this bit is could you write an op-ed on this? Or we develop ideas from that. So I don't think necessarily it's always as straightforward as this press release is for this and this press release is for them. And I just, I wonder maybe if some of the creativity and the and the media relations will be lost. Maybe. I mean, I don't think it's meant as a substitute for emailing your contacts. Yes. And yeah. sort of suggesting ideas. I think this is more for the kind of a replacement for the sort of blanket releases so what does this mean for like exclusivity like when you get an exclusive story from someone would that still come to your inbox or would they have the exclusive story on the platform i mean that that'll be up to the pr i mean it could it could limit media relations in the sense of your pr's diary of contacts i suppose if you're just signing up to these sort of sites you're then not developing the relationships with the journalists maybe but isn't that the case at the moment outside of your main contacts the amount of random press releases you get from random people is pretty substantial isn't it yeah i mean you can't have a relationship with everyone in the industry use a pr no although we do try john we do try (laughs) um i think it sounds really good for national newspapers but i'm not sure what it will mean for b2b publications and trade magazines because 
our content's tailored quite specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it is interesting that Reach have signed up for this because they there's some really big names that you listed there, John, that have signed up, and obviously even regional like there's some big players from like Manchester Evening News and papers like that. So it's a very big sign up from some real names out there in newspaper world. Yeah, I definitely think it's a case of watch this space. Mm. But I think the fact that it exists at all and that you know big publishers have signed up for it does show that it is a, a problem increasingly with cutbacks in newsrooms and the relative rise of the number of people working in comms mm. does show that, you know, the journalist job can get unmanageable sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, definitely one to watch. Yeah. Okay, that's all for this episode. Noise in Brief goes live every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thanks to John and Eliza, and thanks to you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.